Coders, this is the Q Code Podcast. Told you the Q Coders would stick. I'm trying it out. I'm not saying it's bad. It sounded good. But I'm not saying it's like the best either. It's kind of like how we came up with the name Q Code Podcast. It's the best. It's just I couldn't come up with anything better. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's how a lot of decisions get made. Is like I'll come up with something and travel be like, it's okay. Just give me a bit. <laughs> It's not the best. I'm usually like, just give me a minute. If I Let can me... come up with something better, we can change it. And then, Trav, did you come up with anything? No. no. <laughs> I guess we'll go with yours. <laughs> so, um, we like to start out, um, and I, I don't know if we've really done this up to this point, um, but in our last podcast, uh, which we had, we like to kind of start out with a little random intro just something to get the we did last week we came in with uh your anime stuff (laughs) oh yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my anime stuff this is like it's one (laughs) anime thing that i watch but uh so i i wanted to kind of go over this this experience that i had last week it was super weird um so i've i've been doing this this diet which all started because at work we had a health fair and we had this gym come in that had this body analysis machine and against my better judgment, I stepped on it. And the thing told me I was 25 pounds overweight, that I needed to lose it immediately. I feel like it said that, but it didn't. (laughs) You have 14 days. But so I was like, all right, all right, I need to do something. I need to start, you know, just getting back to a manageable weight. I'm not, I'm a tall person. I'm not like a huge person by any means, but you know, just needed to lose a few LBs. And so uh, my wife and I decided, Hey, let's just go on a little diet. Um, a lot of people, you know, do the keto thing. We're not necessarily doing keto. We just wanted to do less carbs and uh, just kind of manage that. Well, well, it sounds like you said it kind of worked for you. It did. I have lost a decent amount in a week. Um, (laughs) but what I did was the first two days, I kind of just went all out. And I probably was doing what keto people do. Because I literally had very, like, almost zero carbs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when my body is used to having so many carbs and sugars and then all of a sudden just denying it for two days, it just went into some kind of shock. And uh, I was at work and I hadn't... I. I had some food there for lunch. It was like <coughs> lunch meat, some cheese, you know, obviously no bread. But <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I didn't want to eat that for the second day in a row. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll go over. There's a grocery store just down the block, and uh, I'll go in there. Well, I went in and started looking at everything and just got super depressed because literally everything has carbs in it. <laughs> and... I, after walking around for about five minutes, I left without purchasing anything, went in my car to pout. And 
I was sitting there and I was kind of like on my phone, just opened up Facebook and then realized I started getting super tired. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna close my eyes for a few minutes. And I typically, when I do these things, like I'm very aware of that I'm not like actually sleeping. I'm just kind of I'm resting my eyes. So you, you know that like five or 10 minutes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, all of a sudden I wake up because my phone rings and it's my wife. And so we talk for a second. I look at the clock and I had literally been asleep for 40 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, oh crap, I got to get back to work. <laughs> Your whole lunch hour. My whole gone. lunch hour was gone. So I start my car and I drive to the, to exit the parking lot. And I realized at that moment, I could not remember which way to turn to get back to work. I was super disoriented. So, I mean, luckily if I look down the street, I can see my building. So I looked down both ways and I was like, Oh, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) And so I drove down, you know, parked, went into my building and same thing with my office. I was like, where the crap is my office? My office is literally, as you go through the front door, you have to just, it's the first one you come to. I just go straight back and it's right there. So what you're saying is that carbs are directly correlated to memory. No, I think what I was was hypoglycemic. (laughs) (laughs) And because I didn't have any sugar in my body and I was just super disoriented and, and just like I knew where things were supposed to be, but it just didn't make sense when I thought about it. And somebody came and visited my office. I looked at their face and like, their eye, their right side of their face seemed a little droopy. And I was like, what the crap is going on? And then I looked up at this picture. And don't ask me why I have a picture of this. It, long story short, I have a uh, a frame in, a picture frame in my office that people just switch out pictures of just random things. Right now, I think it's a drunk Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Um, but before, it was Luke Perry. <laughs> <laughs> and so I looked up at Luke, and his face was droopy. And then I also have this ball, like one of those stress balls, and it has a smiley face on it. And half of that face was droopy. So it's like, you know, I got to freaking get to the bathroom and look at something. So I got up to go to the bathroom, couldn't find the bathroom. <laughs> Finally make it there, look in the, in the mirror, and my face is droopy. So I'm thinking I'm having a stroke. And like, what do they call that? Like cerebral palsy? No. Or something? That's like when you shake. No, that's cerebral palsy. Isn't that where like half of your face is like yeah, like, oh, is that is, like it paralyzed. Like paralyzed. Oh, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I thought cerebral palsy was when you like shake. No, that's no, that's Parkinson's Parkinson's disease. Like, there could what? be more than one thing where you shake. <laughs> <laughs> nope, only one. Low blood sugar, but and anyway, yeah, so cold. you're very cold, hypothermic, yeah. hyperthermic. No, but, hypo. So I decided I was like, you know what? I got to get out of here. Like I do not feel good. I'm going home. And it was about like 4.30, I leave at 5, so I was like, it's not bad. Like, everybody's pretty much out of the office anyway. It was a Friday. So I'm heading out, and uh, we have this calendar um, that's by our uh, postage machine, and we have to just write, like, how much we're purchasing. Every time we need to purchase more postage, we write on the day, on the calendar, how much we purchased. And so this lady who does it, she can't reach the calendar, so she hands me the marker. She's like, hey, can you write 500 on April 5th? I seriously stood and stared at the calendar. I couldn't find April 5th. <laughs> I was so, and like, I felt so dumb because she's sitting here waiting for me to do it. So I, would like, I just came up with this lie. I was like, oh, man, I'm 
super dizzy. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's like, oh, well, you need to go home. So I left, but my big fear was that I wasn't going to be able to make it home. I did. I, you know, I made it home. But then after that, like, I started feeling better. I started drinking some more water. I think that was the problem, too, is I wasn't drinking a lot, uh, enough water for what I was doing. So you were hypoglycemic. Dehydrated. You were dehydrated. You had zero carbs. Zero carbs. No memory. Yep. So cerebral palsy. So if you guys, (laughs) so if you guys do any of that, just make sure you drink a lot of water because you don't want to end up like I was. But I'm feeling fine now. Well done. And you lost eight pounds. I did. I've, I've lost eight pounds in a week. So I don't know if it was worth it because that freaked me out. Like I thought I was dying. So, so maybe it was really just the stress. That's what causes you to lose weight. Maybe just like you get super depressed and freaked out and sit in your corner. Yeah. But that's what happened. So, um, welcome. Welcome into the Kiko Podcast. <laughs> We've got a good show for you today. What questions do we have today, Daniel? Well, we have some pretty interesting questions this time. Uh, I believe Trav's going to go over who are the bronies. I actually mentioned this a couple... I think it was episode one. Episode one, yeah. We, I kind of mentioned it and realized that it was something, a topic that we needed to talk yeah. about. I've been looking forward to it ever since then because... I still, other than from what you told us, know nothing about the bronies. And then the second question we're going to go over is what happened to the killer bees? I remember the killer bee epidemic or whatever you want to call it uh, from being a kid. And then it just, I just was thinking the other day, I don't even remember why or what triggered it, but I just was like, what happened to those killer bees that were on their way to uh, where we live? So I'm going to go into that. And then finally, we're going to finish with Alan's question of what is the event horizon and what is the event horizon telescope? And I believe you're going to go into what that is and what they're trying to figure out and what they're trying to capture is my understanding. Oh, yeah. Yep. And also he's going to talk about the Kool-Aid man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's Randy Savage, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the, cool- the cream the always cool- rises to the top, brother. <laughs> Slap it to his limb, Jim. Oh, yeah. But what does the Kool-Aid man say? He says, he just oh, says, yeah. He says, oh, yeah. He just goes, sorry about your wall. <laughs> so that's a dumb Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, how about we get into it, Trav? Why don't you uh, kick off who are the bronies? I feel like we need like a little sounder here of somebody going bronies <laughs> bronies but instead i got this sounder let's kick it alan my little pony my little pony All right, that's enough. So that <laughs> right enough. there sounds <laughs> like opponent. something that thousands of grown men would be really into, right? Well, we were all like rocking out, weren't we? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start with this. Like, I wrote a little. I'm going to be reading uh, quite a bit here of just, it's kind of like I was writing like a report. <laughs> and so... So forgive me uh, if it sounds like I'm reading, but because (laughs) I am, am. because I am, 
Uh, but it would actually be weird if it didn't sound like you were reading. Yeah, but back in the spring of 2012, I had an interesting experience that even to this day, I cannot explain what the phenomenon was. And Wait, uh, did you personally? I did, yes. Okay. This is the reason why I know who bronies are or what bronies are. Don't know why bronies are a thing, but I would say <laughs> it probably should. Yeah, it should be who are the bronies. But who the bronies are? Who are the bronies? And the story goes well. So I had just gotten a uh, a new job at a hotel. It was called the Red Lion Hotel, downtown Salt Lake. Um, remember, didn't you drive the shuttle for that? I did. It was the worst job ever, guys. I drove it for a lot of flight attendants and. And pilots who had a contract that stayed at the company or at the hotel, and they just—I feel like they're just so happy to your face when you're flying when they're flying you. But just like any other customer service person, as soon as like they're they clock out, they hate everybody. <laughs> just life sucks. So I gotta go stay at this stupid hotel in Salt Lake City where all the alcohol is not even like real alcohol, and <laughs> and just life is stupid. Well. My first day there, I am going in the back because I they only had like two like luggage carts or three luggage carts, and they're missing some. So they're like, "Hey, can you guys go in the back? Uh, we did see somebody take them back there." So I'm heading in the back, the back of the hotel, the like back of the hotel the parking lot. No, no, the back. Like I'm inside, but I'm like oh, going okay. back the back of the hotel down a down a long hallway, and as I'm going down this hallway. I start hearing this music and I, it gets louder and louder and louder. As I get back there, I see that like the hallway then opens up and we did have a, uh, like a conference room, but the conference room was like, like locked. Like these people that were having this party were not allowed in the conference room. They were having a party in the foyer. That was like what they booked. They only had enough money to book the foyer, not the actual conference room. But anyway, so I, I turn the corner and I just see a bunch of dudes dressed like ponies dancing around in a circle <laughs> and they are galloping. So they are just like, I, like, I wish I could show everybody that you could see just, they had their hands up like they were like neighing. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like bouncing around. They're galloping in a circle. Did and they have like fake hooves? Some of them did. A lot of them had like, Wait, you said dressed up like ponies. I'm right? saying like they had like my, my like little costumes? ponies. Like they had costumes. Like that were made for full grown. Like some men? of them, yeah. Well, they. I'm assuming they made them themselves. Oh, but some of them had horns, and then they had ears. So much glitter <laughs> that it just you would not even. It's just too much. So we had this talk before we started recording the show, but there's some of the ponies that have horns, and they're like really uh, unicorns. And some of them that aren't and don't have horns, right? So <laughs> I don't. It's just whatever. You, you, do you think the guys are like fi- no? But the thing is, is like the bronies. Like some of them like dress up like their favorite characters. Others make their own characters up. And but either w- doesn't matter. They were just running around in circles, and they're just like like me and just having a gay old time <laughs> and. <laughs> Are you a uh, Twilight Sparkle? No, a Midnight Twinkle. Is that a name? Twilight uh, Sparkle is, I think, one. Yeah, it's a real so. One. 
in preparation for this, and 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 I should really quickly preface because we talked about this really briefly on our last episode, but we grew up in a time we're calling we're saying gay. I didn't say gay. I said gay old time. Yeah, but but Trav really just I didn't means, refer that to them being gay. <laughs> just, yeah, <laughs> say they're gay old. Trav time. just means that happy because that's what gay used to mean. That is literally what I meant. There was no yes. double entendre. <laughs> okay, just clarifying. I don't know if that's actually the. That sounds that <laughs> sounds right. Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> there's no double meaning to it. Um, but in preparation for this. I I decided, you know what? I've never really watched it, and uh, so I'm gonna sit down and watch it. So last night, because there are eight seasons to this thing, and each of them have like 26 episodes, so there's like no actual way actual My Little Pony. Yeah. Well, okay. the new the new one, which is like My Little Pony Friendship is magical or something. I don't know, magical friendship, something like that. But so I was like, you know, I'm gonna sit down and watch a couple episodes just to see if anything appeals to me and so i turn it on i put my kids to bed first <laughs> you don't even watch it with them no go to bed well Dad's at least i put my, my son to bed my daughter was uh playing a game on on the phone and so i just was like all right she's occupied my son's in bed i'm gonna watch my little pony <laughs> and so i sit down and then my daughter comes in she's like dad i was like what she's like why are you watching my little pony <laughs> I was like, it's just, I said, trust me, I don't want to. (laughs) I said, it's just something. I'm a brony. I just said, I'm going to be talking about something on tomorrow's podcast. And I just need to know a little bit about it. So she like turns around, like looks at me weird, goes to her room. She goes, dad, you're strange. (laughs) And then just goes into her room. And I was like, yeah, this is how most people would react. (laughs) Okay. For anyone who doesn't know, Trav's daughter is six years old. So yeah, it's, it's not like she's a teenager doing no, this. Like she's six, <laughs> and she she thinks it's strange. So since that day at the Red Lion Hotel, I have wondered what the appeal is. However, it wasn't something that bothered me enough to actually like do research. Um, so once I decided to talk about them this week, I figured I should at least Google it. <laughs> so. Um, I decided to start off with Reddit and I'm new to the whole Reddit scene, but I did find a conversation uh, a while back. I think it was actually back in 2013, um, that it happened, but that started with the same burning question that somebody had, which was, what is the appeal? So in response, schizophrenic ghost replied to be perfectly honest. I just like having something with no cruel intentions and no mean spiritedness like so many shows seem to glorify. And at a time when I'm feeling my lowest, I like having something happy to look at and enjoy. Really, the show itself is meh. It's just the idea of it that draws me in. So that's... Did Schizophrenic Ghost also reply again? No. Shortly after? No. Wait, you asked... No, literally. You asked the question? No, no, no. Somebody somebody asked this question back in 2013. I've read it. And Schizophrenic Ghost replied. So, but this is my reply to Schizophrenic Ghost. I didn't actually reply, but this is what I'm saying right now. So if Schizophrenic Ghost, you're listening, this is what I have to say to you. So I said, ah. (laughs) So sweet, Schizophrenic Ghost. (laughs) But that answer is totally a cop-out. If you consider yourself a brony, you wouldn't think the show is meh. 
And how often would any regular person put time and effort into watching a show that doesn't entertain them? Thanks, thanks, Schizo, for trying. But your reply seems like something you've said over and over to try and hide the real reason you love the show, whatever that may be. Because let's be honest, who's horrible enough to question someone who loves to watch good old-fashioned nonviolent shows with a good message? I'll tell you who. Me, baby. <laughs> so... There ain't no way that a movement as large as the Brony movement gained uh, gained this much traction just because a bunch of dudes were tired of violence. Um, Is there anywhere that says like how many? There are thousands. Seriously, thousands because they now have a Brony con. What? So you have Comic Con. There's Brony con, and there's videos. There's a documentary about them. Um, Thousands. Guys, it is something that, like, I don't get it still. And and to each their own, okay? I know that there's Trekkies, there's... Yeah, I was going to say, is it, like, so different, really, than anyone at a Comic-Con who's just dressed like their favorite character? Well, but that's the thing. Like, you can, you can have a favorite character. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily, like, dogging on these guys because... Yeah. It's just something that I don't understand. But they all seem to have these same answers, but none of them actually really answer it. They're, they're very vague about it. It's just like, well, it makes me feel good. Okay, what about it makes you feel good? But why? Why do you have to watch My Little Pony instead of something else that could make you feel good? Like, watch Full House. My daughter's really into Full House right now. <laughs> or like we talked about before this, Care Bears. Care Bears. Or well... I feel like that's kind of like in the same realm. But I'm just saying like my daughter right now, she really loves um, like Boy Meets World and and Full House. And she's six. But like these are things they are like family. They have like good messages. They're not about violence. They have some like, you know, it's just it's it's good. It's a good family TV show. But why why is it this show that you have to watch? To make you feel better about yourself. But that's what I'm saying is like, what's the difference between watching My Little Pony and Care Bear? So like, why is there bronies? Is there any kind of like Care Bear group? Like (laughs) cronies. Carers. (laughs) It wouldn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Why would it be cronies? Yeah. Just because it starts with a C. (laughs) And it rhymes with bronies. (laughs) Cronies. You've got your bronies and your cronies. <laughs> Just guys who love little girl <laughs> cartoons. But uh, so there was also another, another response from Tea Time Bitches with a Z uh, who claimed to be a former brony and, but no longer associated himself with that group. He stated, I'm guessing most of the people who are completely obsessed with it are like I or, or how I was or they don't know how to be themselves. They want to fit in, but want to be different at the same time. So I was like, okay, that's a little bit of a better understanding for me. I mean, looking at a group of my little, of the My Little Pony fanatics from the hotel and others that I've seen, uh, you know, like on Line and YouTube and stuff, I get it. You're searching for an identity. You don't quite fit in anywhere, so you latch onto something that allows you to fit in. So, so this but, is where it goes back to when we talked about this with the flat earthers is is a similar thing, and that's I think that's why you brought this up in the first place. But it's just 
they feel like they they become part of this group and they really identify um, themselves with this new group of people. Yeah. So I mean, in my in my head, I, I thought, well, maybe it's not about the show. Maybe it's the show. The show is just a platform for these people. The film needed and wanted, but. For that, I say you don't need a little girl cartoon to have a reason to get together with a group of people. You can just do it. <laughs> but uh, so, so I mean, well, I can cancel my Little Pony party yeah. that we have scheduled for later. <laughs> yeah, I mean the other. Well, other- you got like you, you hear about people who are like they love a band that uh, is not like in the mainstream. It's not like on MTV or, you know, hugely popular. But then, like this happened with Fallout Boy, if you all know what Fallout, who Fallout Boy is, but they were kind of underground for a few years and then they blew up big and a ton of people were pissed. They're like, oh, sell out. Sell out. Sell out. Sell out. Guess what? I'd sell out too. It's money. <laughs> for millions so, of dollars. But yeah, so they're like, oh, they... A lot of the reasons, you're like, so you liked them because basically nobody else knew about them and you thought like you were special knowing about them at the time. But now that they are all over, you don't like them, which is like, do you, were you listening to them for the music at all? Or was it just because you wanted to be different and have something that nobody else had so knew about? You know, there's, there's one other reason that i found that that people enjoy this show um and unfortunately with just the two episodes that i watched i did not get to experience that or fortunately however you want to look at it um (laughs) so if i would have gone four episodes in i would be a full-fledged brony now but so apparently there is definitely there's clever writing with complex plots um, along with a lot of pop culture references, such as Star Wars, James Bond, Top Gun, The Big Lebowski. Like, those are just some of them. Uh, they reference, like, I know there's an episode that I saw a picture of where they are, like, all, like, the Avengers and stuff. So there's a lot of these type of episodes where they're just kind of cleverly done, written, and stuff like that. But that's, like, more recent, right? It might be. I don't know. So I don't... You don't know if, like, the original... I don't know if there's freaking eight seasons. <laughs> so... <laughs> well, I'm saying, wasn't there an original? Like, isn't this... You said oh, no, like no. This were... is the new one. Yes. No. Yeah. All of the bronies... The bronies didn't exist until this new one. Oh. So it wasn't like they came out no. in the 70s or 80s whenever the original My no, Little no, Pony no, 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 came no, no, out. No, 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 no. No. It's this new one. Friendship is magic. That's, oh. that's the... That's yeah. very specific to be a, <laughs> a super freaking... Like super yeah, fan, you in know. In 2010, that's when it came out, and uh, that's that's when this this whole thing started. There was one thing I forgot to tell you about that experience in the hotel. So the next day, because it was like a it was like a mini BronyCon, like a convention that we had at the back of the hotel. So you like went to weird. one of the early BronyCons. The early BronyCons back in 2012. There were maybe like 30 people. Well, so we had a shuttle. Some people <laughs> flew in for this. <laughs> Okay, so uh, one of our drivers took a handful of them to the to the airport, and you know, you did a service. You're expecting some tip. She comes back and she shows me what the tip was: fifty three cents and a little tiny stubby carrot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? I was like, 
well, I'd keep the 53 cents and go get yourself some gum. <laughs> Throw away that carrot because you don't know where that's been. <laughs> was it a, a real carrot? It's or like, like a baby one, carrot yeah, toy. No, carrot. no, 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 no. It was like one that you pulled out of the freaking ground. But uh, it was a real carrot? Was, yeah, it was a real carrot. It was just stubby. It was like it didn't have enough time to mature. <laughs> But so all I could imagine is just him running around in a circle, neighing, and he just gnawing on this little carrot. (laughs) (laughs) Or feeding each other. Like, I feel like... Now, don't get me wrong. There are women at these things, too. But it's just mostly dudes. So I don't get it. So do the bro... Like, do the women... Are they called bronies as well? Yeah, yeah. They don't have another name. They're just a part of the brony movement. Brony allies. Yeah. They're not like wonies. Yeah. But they also, so along with the fact that there's clever writing, uh, pop culture references, um, you got a lot of, uh, you know, voice actors that, or, or just regular actors that uh, lend their, their talents to the show um, just for the fans. So, you know, like Mark Hamill, you know, um, Luke Skywalker. I mean, he does a lot of voice stuff anyway. Uh, you know, he's the voice of the Joker in the Batman animated series and, and uh, does a lot of other things. So he, I think he's in there, um, like Weird Al Yankovic and just others. And so for whatever reason, this is the stuff that draws them in. But I still don't see why, like, even if I kind of enjoyed, like, the episode, right? Or, or like, just the fact that they're referencing something. Mm-hmm. That's not enough for me to dress up like a pony and then, like, go prance around with another <laughs> bunch, bunch of... Guys, <laughs> <laughs> so again, if you are a brony, I'm sorry. It's it's just because I don't understand it, and I've tried. What about to- what about like the uh, the um, what is it like they dress up as knights in the medieval times? They like they well, re they play like I, I don't know if it's play or like no they enact yeah they like medieval act, times cosplay. Yeah, cosplay. I get some of that, or even like they do that with. Uh, the Civil War, they reenact. Yes. Uh, I get all that, but you're I saying do. this is different than that because this is different. It's completely different because that. I mean, you're at least acting out like. I mean, History. it is fantasy and stuff, but it's like sword fights and and you know people. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't get the appeal, and I I, I just don't feel. See, like, I'm with you. I I don't get the appeal. I would much rather do like a. A medieval knight. Yeah, type. I would totally if, play Dungeons if I had and Dragons over dressing up like a pony. But this could come I back. mean, I guess it's it's just if that's what you're into, all right. And that's what I was saying. Like, to each their own. Yeah. So please, like, if you are listening to this and you are a brony, or at least understand that, go to our website or go to our... Uh, contact us. Yeah, contact us, however, um, through our social medias. I need to know. I, I just sense that day... It's it's been there. It's always been there that I just don't understand it. Like, what is the appeal? So this has been a question that's been eating at you for seven years. Seven years. <laughs> and you're, you're just looking for, like, not just an... I mean, because it, it looks like there's answers There's answers, out but there, there's got to be more to it than that. There's not, like, an answer that, for you, feels fulfilling. Like, this, like, okay, that... Literally explains it to a point that I it makes sense to yeah. me whether so, I agree with it or not. Yeah. Every once in a while in the past seven years, Travis has just been like sitting there silent in his own head, and then all of a sudden, bronies! 
Why? Basically it. <laughs> like, like I told you, it wasn't enough for me to really do a lot of research until now. But it's always just been there. I've been like, I'd see something pop up and I'd be like, what is this? Like, or like I'd see it pop up on Netflix, like My Little Pony. I'm like, why? What is this deal? But I mean, I think this, this can come back to like the whole concept of, and I, what did, was it the first episode or something that we talked uh, briefly on it um, with, or maybe it was the second episode with Alan talking about how <laughs> we've had in the history, three episodes, including today. So <laughs> the history of people and what they did for fun and how he doesn't understand how you could have lived a hundred years ago with no like electronic stimuli. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like Alan said, there's just like, it just to each their own. Cause I mean, there are people who love that lifestyle who wish that they could um, basically live in the 1800s and live this simple life where they get to just grow their own food and go hunt their own meat. And that's have true. No electricity, you know, like I don't, I don't get country people. <laughs> I mean, I, they apparently they love being out in the middle of the nowhere and having that isolation but I like, I need to be close to a city. Like if <laughs> like, I would love to live in New York. That's the kind of person I am. Like the bigger the city, the better for me. Mm. Not me. No. Really? I don't want to live out in the boonies, but I got to live in, in my suburbs. Yeah, yeah. Maybe because you guys have Somewhere kids. like far enough away that it's not like too crowded, but close enough that I only have to drive 20, 30 minutes to get anywhere I need to go. Yeah. So. Me too. But anyway, that's it. Again, sorry if I've offended you or anything like that, but I just don't understand it, so you're just going to have to enlighten me. So please uh, go to our website or, or go to our social media pages and, uh, and let me know. I do uh, have to give you kudos, though, Trap, for even though you say you don't understand the like why uh, bronies like My Little Pony you at least took the steps to watch a couple episodes to try and immerse yourself into this world a little bit to try and understand that. And I do have one person in my life that's an adult that I know watches it. Uh, it's my sister-in-law. So she's not, I mean, I guess you can call her a brony, but I wanted to get a hold of her or her husband just to see if they had any insight, but we couldn't do it. They live in Georgia and who knows? I don't know. Time difference. Be interesting. <laughs> Just to find out from her standpoint why yeah. she likes it, because maybe the, she has a similar reasoning. Yes. Of liking it, and as the bronies. Yep. But anyway, Sweet. let's move on to the next question. All right, we'll move on to question number two, which is my question, and it's a burning question that I've had. Trav said he's had his question since 2012. I've had this question since like. 1999. Like in 1999. Was there a party going on? <laughs> <laughs> like it's 1999. But I, growing up, just, I don't know, I fell into the whole Killer Bee craze a little bit as a kid. Partially just, I literally had a fear <laughs> <laughs> of the Killer Bees. So we'll get into it. My question is, what happened to the Killer Bees? That's freaky, right? <laughs> Could you imagine just hearing that coming at you? I don't have to. There was wasn't there a movie about 
killer bees. Pretty sure that was that we were attacking people and yeah, and then like yeah, it's on, called my girl and pretty poor little Thomas J went back <laughs> for the ring and spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen my girl, um, yeah. Thomas J. Dies. What <laughs> can make me you say? <laughs> what can make me feel this way? My girl. My girl. Uh, but yeah, like in the movie, I was like, all right, all I got to do is get in a path, bathtub and a, get a straw and then just breathe through the straw. Well, we'll, we'll we will cover some of that here coming up. Um, but I wanted to start off by kind of just... If anyone doesn't know, here, let me tell you a story. This is why people were afraid of killer bees, or you should be afraid of killer bees even now. But last year, a story popped up where a woman was leaving a house in California. She was a, like a maid or something. She cleaned houses for a living. She <laughs> left. She wasn't like a maid, Danny. <laughs> she was a maid. <laughs> I don't like to just like typecast people, you know. Well, that's her job. Are you okay. afraid to mention she, what her job is? She was a maid or a house cleaner. Housekeeper. <laughs> was leaving a house that she had just cleaned, walking out to her car, when suddenly she she was attacked by a swarm of killer bees. And they came in and she was screaming. The woman who lived in the house came outside. Um, they attacked her. At this point, I believe she was kind of like curled down on the ground, laying there, uh, being attacked by these bees. The woman decided, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I guess at least she did something, but she started spraying the bees with her hose, trying to see if that would get rid of them. But instead, she got attacked as well. And then... <laughs> Long story short, this woman, this poor woman got stung like over 200 times and ended up in the hospital uh, when finally the authorities could get there and, and get her away from the bees. But another guy came along, a specialist. He went and found the hive. The hive happened to be like inside of a gas meter that was behind a bush like on this woman's house and found that he's with the hive that was in there. He he figured there's about 80,000 killer bees in that hive. Now, were they killer bees or were they just bees? Like a lot of bees. <laughs> <laughs> Stinging. Like, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like they don't have to be killer bees. They're just regular bees. If you get stung enough times, yeah, you're going to go to the hospital. Uh, that's a good question, and I will get to that in just a minute, Trav. Yeah, I think um, that comes down to genetics. Yeah, so... Anyway, but I, there's another part of this story that kind of, I don't know how it, it intrigued me, but not so much intrigued me as it just like, just you feel kind of like, why did you not do anything? But there's a yeah, woman that I'm was... I'm pretty sure I could outrun There was bees. a woman <laughs> that was uh, walking her dog. <laughs> it sounded like she was like on the other side of the street or like just down the street or something like that. And was being interviewed by the news and just said, yeah, I was just walking my dog and I like looked up and I saw this woman being attacked by bees and it was like so scary. I could see them like swarming up and then coming down on her. Forming and a fist in the air, <laughs> just punching her right in the face. <laughs> and she's like, but you know, there's nothing I could do. So I and just And I watched. saw this bear holding a balloon and he was like, Climbing up to try to get the honey. the honey, and he was singing some song about a rain cloud 
and there's some weird what? animal. Some little boy <laughs> in really short shorts was saying, tut, tut, looks like rain. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I know is like a depressed donkey. <laughs> How come bee or like bears, they can just go and grab a hive of honey? Because it's a freaking bear, dude. And they have, like, thick, they have thick hides and a lot of fur. It's hard. So they really get don't it. get stung like... Oh, they probably bees can try, but they're freaking bears, <laughs> and they will murder them. Uh, they will smoosh them. Like we should just do. We should just smoosh them or <laughs> run, run, lady. I know, but in the end, what my point is, like, I don't know what this like lady literally just watched this other lady get attacked by killer bees and just didn't do anything. And I just thought, if I was in that position, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I would hope that I would go try to help the woman, but I don't know. It's killer bees, so what do you do, you know? Grab a bat. It's the classic uh, psychological thought experiment of, like, uh, is it called the train experiment or something like that? Where you can either kill, like, Basically, yeah. So, like, if you were in the situation where you had control of the train switches... So you could control if it goes onto the left track or the right track. And you see like there are five people on the left track that it's going to, it'll hit. And there's like no time to warn anybody. It'll hit five people over here and one person over here. Will you make the decision to switch it over to the one person one person, or five. just do nothing and be like that? Like, yeah, so do you make that already decision? on the track towards the five people? I guess so. Yeah. So yeah. would you switch it and knowingly know that your action made that person die, or just let it go, or just let it go and be like, I didn't have anything to do with any of it, so I didn't, I, don't, I didn't directly kill anybody. I don't think that this qualifies for that analogy though, because the yeah, woman, no, because you said I would hope I would do oh. something where. Anybody who you ask, what would you do? They all immediately say like, oh, I would totally switch it to the one person or whatever. But then they're like, in reality, because they couldn't ever really test this, obviously. They're like, would you really, though? Like, in the situation, would you have the gall to switch it and be directly responsible for that Well, yeah, because that's like, they tell them that they have to actually physically pull the lever or whatever. So they're physically doing something that would end in a different result than the result that was yeah. going to. So it's either five people die that I didn't do anything, so that's not me, but or one person dies. So basically, it, and only, it was you that it switched only it over. That one person is died. likened to your story just because the lady <laughs> just stands there and it's like so she she could have tried to do something, but yeah, didn't. but. With her standing there, she wasn't having to make a decision between... She like, made a decision not to help. Like <laughs> a group of five people being attacked by bees or one person being I, attacked I by I didn't bees. say that it was no, exactly I know, the I same. I understand. But because it's just her. Because it's not like... If that would... I would be more like the train analogy if you would say, okay, there's five people that the train is heading towards or you can pull the lever, but it's going to immediately turn into you on the track. But the only place that you can pull the lever is where the train will hit you. Okay, fine. Whatever, Danny. <laughs> I've had a lot of time to think about these. Fine, but isn't there, like, I know there's an episode of Seinfeld, like the last episode where yeah. they, like, all get arrested for not, not helping, helping a guy that's getting carjacked. It's like the good citizen law. And I, I, that does, I think, actually exist some places. It doesn't good in Utah. Samaritan or law. good Samaritan law. It doesn't exist in Utah. But 
there are places where like that's a real thing. Um, yeah, if you're in a position to help somebody, but you don't. Like, yeah, so in that position, what, what, like, would you get in trouble for not helping the lady with the bees? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. But back and to then, the bees. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Glad we got on that track. There's a lot of profound <laughs> moral questions that these killer bees Why does this lady not help this lady with the bees? <laughs> when I was preparing this, I was like, okay, this first story should take me about 30, 45 seconds. <laughs> to you get always <laughs> underestimate. Okay, <laughs> so, but like, yeah, so, I mean, the reason, like I said, I came up with the whole question of what happened to the killer bees. I just remember being a kid, being aware. I don't know. I guess I was like right at that right age where I was old enough to like understand what was going on to a limited degree, but not old enough to like fully understand maybe the whole story behind what the killer bees were. I just hear like these horror stories about killer bees, see things on the news about them talking about killer bees, like literally see them like showing maps of like the killer bees are spreading. I know. I I was going to say, I remember being like, they're coming across the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be here soon. But this was when I was when I was little. So they like it showed them they are now in the United States. They have come from Mexico, and I was like, man, they just went right through customs, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then like Alan said, like on top of all of this kind of information coming in to a kid who's like eight or ten years old. Then you see that there's the killer bee movies that came out, these B-level movies that were like t- made, yeah, for TV, made for TV. Did and you, you would watch them and you just... Pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> yeah B-level movies. B-level movies. I literally wrote... Um, <laughs> my reference to all this was the B-movies about bees that came out of the 90s. <laughs> that was my note. But... Yeah, so I mean, that is kind of what I think intrigued me. And and again, it came back to age and everything that I was like, okay, so like these killer bees. But then as I got older, you kind of forget about them. And then it wasn't until later that I was like, you know, what happened to those, that killer bee whole thing that was happening? So let's get into just like a brief history. So Trav, you asked the question of how do you know they're killer bees? Like why, what what if they were just like regular bees? Other than the fact that they like kill somebody, but I feel like, (laughs) yeah, you get enough bees stinging you. They could all be killer bees. Yeah. So they're called killer bees by, I mean, that's like the name. I'm sure that was come up by, you know, like newspaper writers or no, that's their scientific (laughs) genetic name to, uh, to sell papers or genus, genus killer. Bees, killers, feces, <laughs> whatever. But what a killer bee is, is actually known as the Africanized bee. So what an Africanized... racist. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, at first I was wondering that too, but then I, I learned a little bit more to try and figure it out. So going way, way back into history too, like, so bees have been around on earth for a long, long time. Like they, the oldest known bee that they found, they found, it's like in Jurassic Park where they had that mosquito that was an amber. amber. They found a bee that was an amber and they tested it, um, carbon dated it. And then they found out that this bee had been in there for like over a hundred million years. Wait, so is amber like sap? That's what it is? It's it's like, do you think a Fossilized. I think bees just like yeah. they got confused. They were like, "Is this honey?" <laughs> <laughs> and then they get stuck. Like, no, dang it! I'm gonna be in so this thing like, for a hundred million. Like, there's gotta be a ton of bees in amber. <laughs> no pun intended. 
It's got a B, a ton of Bs. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can we, we, we can't say B anymore, apparently, for the rest of the episode without being a pun. I know. But anyway, so what is an Africanized B? Well, <laughs> so wait, it, if they had a cheer squad, would it, would the cheerleaders of the B, for the Bs be like, B, aggressive, B, B, aggressive? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad oh, that I'm, I'm not kidding. the only one that gets the crickets. <laughs> anyway, I'm a horrible cricket. <laughs> hey, I can't do all sounds. Okay. <laughs> Maybe for today's episode, we should be like, <laughs> no. See, you would have gotten it too. <laughs> all right, <laughs> move <Okay>. on. <laughs> so, in the late 1950s, there was like a geneticist uh, in Brazil by the name of Warwick Kerr who wanted to see if he could somehow create, genetically create a bee that would be more efficient at creating honey. Because he heard that, like, if you, you know, there's ways that you can make a bee be more productive. And so um, he ended up getting bees from Europe, European bees, and these African bees. So European bees were known because that they could create a lot more honey. They were more efficient at creating honey. African bees were more aggressive. They could breed faster and for those, and they could kind of live in like more harsh climates. I still feel like we're like not getting away from the racial (laughs) things here. Still feel like it's racist, but I know. I don't know why, who labeled these, (laughs) but anyway, he ended up being successful at crossbreeding the European bees and the African bees and created these crossbreed Africanized bees. And they actually did, proved to be better and more efficient creators of honey. And then after getting that to that point, he kept them all kind of in these bee, I don't know what you call them, those man-made bee trap hive things that you see like when you go to bee farms or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, one of his assistants come out, came out one day and I don't know if he was cleaning it. No, none of the sources that I saw specifically mentioned why he did this, but... Sounds like his innocent mistake. He somehow moved all of the screens in the hive that were meant to keep the queen bees inside the hive. Because hmm. the worker bees, they could go out, they could fit through the screen. They were small enough, but the queen bees were too big. Mm-hmm. So they could go out and do their thing and get pollen or whatever. But then when he moved these screens, the queen bees were able to leave. And once the queen bee leaves, all the bees leave hmm. with the queen. So that's how the killer bees or the Africanized bees ended up free or in the wild. And then they started just traveling and, and spreading into um, all over the place. And now they were af- actually taking over territory of the natural bees that were in the area. So that's the history of how the killer bee came to be. Hmm. So fast forward to another killer bee story. There was a... Uh, guy in Arizona, a landscaping crew, like about, I think this was about four or five years ago, working on this older house, and then suddenly they were attacked by a swarm of killer bees, and there's like 100,000 killer bees in this nest that was uh, embedded inside like the attic of this house that they were working on. They came out, they attacked them, Um, most of them were like okay, like they got stung, but they were fine, but one dude Unfortunately, it was allergic to bees and bee stings, and he had a cardiac arrest and died. Mm. So, EpiPens. Yeah. There's another case of a guy 
who was on the news for being, you know, was being that was killed by killer bees. So going back to <laughs> like the only reason they're killer bees is because they actually killed somebody. <laughs> but it's like we've labeled them like that that one right there. <laughs> that's a killer bee. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, back to like, yeah, these bees that escaped this bee farm in the 1950s, they started migrating north uh, at about at a clip of about 200 miles per year is what it said, is how fast they were kind of migrating and expanding their territory. Um, they ended up at this point, they go as far as they're in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, Nevada. Um, they're in as far as... In southern Utah, um, they go as far east as what? Tennessee. Um, so they've kind of covered a lot of the western, midwest portion of the United States at this point. Um, it's estimated that in Arizona alone, that there's over 5 million killer bee hives, each containing 80,000 or more killer bees. So Dang, there's a lot of killer bees out there that you need to be worried about, especially if you're in Arizona. So, cause they like that warm climate. Um, and that goes back to them being African, I guess, <laughs> like African eyes. Like that's, <laughs> that's, it's not so anything racist. other than that's literally, <laughs> they come from the African bee. Um, but anyway, what you were wondering is like, were they called killer bees because this one guy got killed? Well, actually, there's been over a thousand people's deaths linked directly to killer bees since they've escaped. So what you're saying is we should still be cautious. Yes. They're still dangerous enough that you could get yourself in such some trouble, especially if you go around poking into the killer bee areas. So I can tell you some things, okay? One... It typically, if you're not allergic to killer bees, it typically takes about a thousand bee stings or more to kill an adult. So, okay, so if you see a big swarm of bees, run away. That's yes, that's good advice, Trav. <laughs> I, I think the I know that, is a- that some people don't see it or notice it, or they don't leave fast enough. How do you not notice it? I guarantee I've been stung by one bee. I friggin' noticed it. <laughs> it hurt. Well, I'm saying if the swarm is already on you. Run! <laughs> like, it's not gonna... Like, they don't just attach to you. Have you guys ever been bit by a horse fly? Yes. yes. It's the worst. It's worse than a bee sting, guys. <laughs> well, because they can keep doing it. Bees can just sting you once. No, oh, well, I only got bit the once, but... Is there also like something called a deer fly? And oh yeah, deer fly. What's the difference between a deer fly and a horse fly? I've seen a dragon fly. <laughs> I've seen a horse fly. Should we talk you know, about seeing that the- I never seen when I see an elephant fly? <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't noticed already, Trav has some kind of quote or song. <laughs> For everything. I feel like I, don't know how I think what I'm going to do is just in these situations, I'm just going to say the quote, not going to pay any attention to it. If you know what quote, like if I say something and we just don't acknowledge what it's from and you want to just point that out, we'll just give you kudos. Go to our website. Go to our social media page and just say, hey, you referenced this movie. Some of them are going to be easy, like the one I just referenced. You just referenced Dumbo. Okay, now you just gave it away. Oh, well, that's a freebie. 
That's freebie. From but now on. Guarantee you, there's going to be some that are going to be mighty difficult to get. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the killer bees. So killer bees aren't any more venomous than a regular honeybee is. It's just that they attack in huge numbers. Like there's swarms when they attack you. That's why they're so deadly is because they attack you with huge numbers instead of where normal honeybees might send, you know, a handful of bees at somebody to get rid of them or, or to scare them away or sting them or whatever. But killer bees are super aggressive and they get out there and they put some pheromones on you as soon as like they feel threatened and then that brands you and then that tells the whole hive to attack you. Mm. So that's why they're so dangerous is not because they're any more venomous, just that they attack in huge numbers. Um, and because of that, they're just, like I said earlier, they're way more aggressive. The thing is that they found that they will actually, a lot of scientists say they'll chase you for up to a quarter of a mile. Yeah. So you have to be able to run further than a yeah, quarter of a yeah. mile. Basically. Yes. So run about Not, three, three minutes. So, well, but, so, <laughs> so sprint and sprint for a while. Yeah. Cause like normally bees will stop. Like if you just go a few, you know, a few yards away from their hive, they'll start to leave you alone. But killer bees will not. They will keep chasing you and keep stinging you for a very long period of time. And then I watched a documentary on it and they were trying to test the whole quarter of a mile um, theory. So they ended up going out, got these killer bees all riled up. They were all in their suits and stuff. And then they started walking to see how long and far the killer bees would keep attacking them for. And he got like a whole mile away from their hive Mm. and they were still attacking. So he's like, I guess we can uh, put that quarter of a mile theory out the window. What little (laughs) douchebags. Little bees. (laughs) (laughs) They have like a vendetta. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I feel like the movie hive. would be called B for Vendetta. <laughs> Ooh. That's a Danny and Alan joke. <laughs> maybe it wouldn't be Ba-doom. a Vendetta. Bees would call it Vendetta. Stop it. See, you <laughs> ruined it. It was all I clever thought, and then you I ruined it. Was it was good. Okay. Anyway. Are you done? <laughs> or do you still have so, more? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they also, they're found, uh, when, they kill, when they kill and attack people, people have found uh, bees in um, in the corpses, I guess, nose and mouth and ears and even down into their esophagus where they could see that the bees were repeatedly stinging their inside their throats, (laughs) which basically would cause their throats. Screw you, man. I'm just going (laughs) to sting inside of your esophagus, (laughs) which would like cause their esophagus to swell up. And then that could ultimately be part of why they die because they couldn't breathe. Yeah. It cuts off their airway. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's why killer bees are so potentially vicious or scary. Um, there's one way it's hard to tell. The other thing is it's hard to tell killer bees because like you said, like, how do you know it's a killer bee and not a regular bee? Well, yeah, like we can say it's because there's an Africanized and there's the European traditional honey bee, but you can't tell just by looking at the bees. They look basically the same. Mm-hmm. So they can get their wings and apparently the wings on a killer bee is on average about 8.8 millimeters long. The wings on a regular honeybee is about 9.1 millimeters long. Okay, so as long as you can get one to stop long enough for you <laughs> to measure their wings, you can figure it out. Yeah, which... <laughs> but, like, that is, like, a very small difference to three... Like, 0.3 millimeters is, like, not anything that you would be able to, like, visualize very accurately with your eyes, you know? 
Yes. Like, <laughs> so you would have to have high tech equipment to do that. Um, and then finally, like to really tell them apart, they have to like dissect a bunch of bees from a hive that they can capture. And then they just try to, they run their body sizes and everything through a computer. And that'll finally tell them like with a 95% probability, this is a killer, killer beehive mm. or whatever. So that's how they do that. So back to uh, another, another vicious attack. There was a man in Las Vegas in 2009 who was just working in some field or something. He says he could hear something and then he didn't realize what it was. He looked behind him and he thought he saw like a dust cloud coming out. something and then I saw something. <laughs> well, he was working, <laughs> turned around, thought there was like a cloud of dust coming at him, but it turned out to be a swarm of cartoon swarm of bees. <laughs> <laughs> and they descended upon him, attacked him. He tried run. He started running away. Um, he tried taking off his shirt so that he could try. <laughs> no, like, listen to why. <laughs> There's a reason. I know that doesn't sound like, why would you take off his shirt? But like, Easier access. <laughs> but, like, bees were going in his mouth and his nose when he was trying to run. And so he was like, okay, I'm going to take off my shirt to try and use it to, like, cover my mouth and nose. But when he took his shirt off, it was full of bees. So he couldn't use that. To cover his mouth anymore, so he Couldn't, kept like cover his hand. So he kept running until he collapsed, and then he used it. He just like laid there. He's like, okay, I'm just I, this is pretty much it for me. I'm just. And then he uh, he literally put his hands over his nose and his mouth, and just laid in the fetal position, like face down on the ground, as the bees just kept attacking him. And then he passed out. And then apparently someone must have come along, got him to the hospital because he just woke up in the hospital covered in bee stings. He had six doctors working on him, taking out stingers out of his body. Long story short, he ended up being stung over 4,000 times. And actually, it was like, the doctors were like, you're lucky that you're alive. Like, with that amount of venom in your body, you should have been dead. Do you think when they were putting the IV in, they are like, okay, just a little sting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) He uh, won't know. Too, Oops, too I missed. Soon. Let me try again. Too soon for that <laughs> one. It'll sting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he at least requested like the butterfly. Um, yeah, can I get a butterfly syringe? Syringe and needle. Um. Anyway, we're, we're fresh out. We only have <laughs> Africanized bee needles. So, Trav, to answer your other question, yes. So, what is the best thing you can do to get rid of, to get away from killer bees? <laughs> Run. Yep. <laughs> Run because I would bees. say light a torch and wave it at them. Oh. Yeah, because the most people carry around <laughs> torches. <laughs> hey, tiki torches got big recently, didn't they? Don't Everyone know. has them in their backyard. Well, I don't think the flame. But nobody on a carries tiki them still. And a flame on a tiki torch isn't like yeah. So just run. <laughs> it's huge. <or laughs> just anything. run. Just waving around this like. But anyway. Yeah, but bees fly can fly up to about fifteen miles per hour, but the average adult can run faster than that. So wait, how many you. miles per hour? Fifteen. So uh, you can run short distances um, faster than that for the most part. So yeah, if you are an able-bodied adults, you should just run. The other thing is, people think, well, I'm just going to jump into a body of water because then they can't get me. Well, turns out, killer bees because they're so vindictive is that what sure. you say vendetta yeah, yeah vendetta vindictive uh they'll actually like sit there and hover over the water and wait for you to surface and then attack you 
So going into water doesn't necessarily help. I guess unless you were like an Olympic swimmer and you could just make your way all the way like across a huge body of water. You just just stash out. stash scuba gear at every body of water in your neighborhood. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> but the other uh, the other thing is too like okay, well, let's we move in to a colder climate so we're going to be safer from bees. And for now, yes, like if you live in Montana or Canada or something there aren't going to be killer bees there. But um, there were some people who started doing some experiments, some researchers did experiments. They put killer bees inside of a basically a refrigerator, giant room refrigerator to see what they would do, if it would kill them or what, but found that they are actually figuring out ways to adapt to the cold, keep themselves warm, and having genetic changes in evolution too that are allowing them to be able to survive in colder climates. So they should be able to continue their march northward which means us being in salt lake city in northern utah it could be fairly shortly before killer bees reach us here no wait where so where are they right now how far north they're as far north as like southern utah ah so as they keep adapting to being able to handle the colder weather they could they could come up here so then finally, I thought this was just ironic, so I wanted to put it in here. But in 1998, there was a town in Arizona that was attacked by a giant swarm of killer bees. Do you know what the name of the town was, Trav? It had to be something with a B. The name of the town is literally Bisbee. <laughs> <laughs> so Bisbee was attacked by a giant swarm of killer bees. The bees went through the town. It was described that they would move in unison like a black cloud and go from victim to victim Um as they made their way through the city or the town. Um, seven people ended up being hospitalized. It took over eight hours for the authorities to fight off the bees and to get everyone to safety. Mm. So that's how f- ferocious they were, I guess, and how much they really hated this town of Bisbee because they wanted to live in Bisbee, <laughs> I guess. We are busy bees. <laughs> <laughs> this is our town now. <laughs> But yeah, so that's basically what I have on uh, Killer Bees. What do you you guys think? (laughs) That was was all you had? (laughs) Did you guys not like the stories on Killer Bees? Did, but we do have one other question that we got to get through today. (laughs) Fine, but in conclusion, all I can say is the best thing you can do is be aware of your situation, be on the lookout for Killer Bees, don't disturb their hives, protect your children, and just stay fit enough to be able to run more than 15 miles per hour. So basically anything you would do about regular bees. Yep. But just do it more so. <laughs> no. You can stay away from regular bees. You can stay away from killer bees. Just all bees in general. Do not go near. <laughs> don't bug them. Don't, don't uh, hose them down. Don't get into their business. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. Uh, (laughs) I like how Travis like just made himself nice and comfy. My back was hurting, so I needed to recline, (laughs) but I couldn't reach the microphone, so that made the microphone come to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into our final question, and that is Kate. Allen's, what is the event yes. horizon, or what is an event horizon, and what is the event horizon telescope? Okay, first, 
I have a quest for you two. A quest. All right. A mission. What I need you to do is we are here in Utah. Let's just say Salt Lake City. I need you, Danny, fly to New York with a dime, take it out of your pocket and hold it up. Travis, I need you to somehow grab a camera back here in Salt Lake and take a picture of it, of the dime, to where you can read the date. All right? Does that sound easy enough? Just get, just get another dime. I'll tell you what you <laughs> And to make it even harder, that dime is going to be something that's invisible and does not put out light of its own. Okay? So, so, so he's just holding up like nothing. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I got a dime. No, I don't. It's invisible. Hey. It's this, an invisible dime. My, Tell me, is this something that you think you could do right now? No. Is this something that would take a like a feat think, of engineering? I think this would be about the same amount of difficulty as going and standing on top of a building in New York and then trying to take a picture of the individual dimples on a golf ball in L.A. Okay. <laughs> That's just my opinion. <laughs> that is very specific. Wow. <laughs> great for great for you and drawing equivalencies there <laughs> okay so if that sounds pretty difficult and oh, dare say dare you say impossible well a group of scientists uh and or astronomers and physicists it did basically that but in an even cooler way um, <laughs> <laughs> So when they were coming up with this idea, just a bunch of scientists sitting around a table, and they're like, dude, you know what would be cool? If like we could take a picture of like someone holding a dime being in New York, but from like LA. Okay. <laughs> start writing it down. Let's make this happen. What can we do? Dude, that that would be cool actually. Like what if that was just like in the future, your everyday camera could do like your iPhone camera. I could do that. Yeah, really feel like that like, would we be approaching on like we would get insane some, resolution, <laughs> some <laughs> privacy laws. <laughs> like some dude's like doing something he shouldn't be doing. He's like, no one's around. And then you're like, oh, I took a picture of you. Like, Bull crap, man! I'm like six states over. I can see you clearly. <laughs> uh. So how? Uh, oh, I guess since the last time, or was it last time or the first one we touched on flat earthers? Yeah, the first episode. You had, you really couldn't do it because we live on a spherical Earth and the Earth would be in the way. But take that away. Say it was a flat Earth. That's the job you have to do. Or could you get high enough in New York, and not high by like marijuana standards, okay. but like. High enough on like a ladder or building that you can <laughs> <Ladder>. look down. <laughs> I don't know. How by then, the curvature ladder. By then, the curvature big. of the Earth is pretty substantial, over three thousand miles. So I would say that would have to be a freaking tall ladder or building. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, I want at some point you could be tall enough. But anyways, for this scenario, we live on a flat Earth. I think flat earthers will appreciate that. But thanks. So what's what astronomers and physicists did this well we're recording this beforehand I guess. So what they recently did was uh they photographed the event horizon of a black hole. 
Was it the black hole at the center of our galaxy? No. It was the black hole at the center of a uh, huge elliptical galaxy named uh, called M87, Messier 87. Uh, Which is messier than 86 <laughs> other galaxies. <laughs> but, so this black hole... <clears throat> This black hole is uh, 55 million light years away, so it would take 55 million years to get there going at the speed of light. So basically, we're seeing how it was in this in the 55 picture. That took 55 million years. You know million what? Years like, are you sure that just like scientists aren't making up crap? Just be like, okay, yeah, let's just tell them it's like 55 <laughs> light years. Well, nobody who's gonna question us. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you don't know me. But okay. I do question okay, it. Yeah, and but do I've you done have the math myself? Do you have the technology to to prove them otherwise? <laughs> that it isn't fifty five million light yeah. years. Well, I I know how the math works, the physics. Oh, so okay. I I know how you can calculate how far away a galaxy saying, is. I'm just saying, I'd probably just be like, okay, whatever you say, man. <laughs> now, if you're saying that this this whole picture that they took is bogus, then yeah, maybe that's that's true, but. I mean, what are you, a flat earther? No, but we okay. definitely didn't land on the moon. I'm, I'm taking their word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that taking their word for it. That was so all anyways. staged in Hollywood. Uh, 55 million light years away in M87, and its event horizon, it's, well, it's 6.5 billion solar masses. That's the mass of this thing. So our sun times 6.5 billion. That's how much mass is in this. Thing. So how big is the... Uh, black hole at the center of our galaxy. So compared to our black hole, it's, uh, I think ours is around 4 million um, solar masses. So substantially so smaller. Is, yeah. So, And these are what we call supermassive black holes, which we think reside at the center of most galaxies. Yeah. So until recently, people didn't necessarily know this, but uh, scientists have figured out that at the center of every galaxy, they now assume or think that there's a supermassive black hole, and that's what keeps the galaxy kind of like together, and that's why they spiral like that. Mm. Cool. Is, I don't know. Well, no. <laughs> I don't think that's correct. Like That's the sole reason the galaxies are held together is that. Um, it's their cumulative mass. That's way more than that. Because they're all connected by hangers. They it's, just circle. It, well, no. Like so in a diorama. So this is a <laughs> this is a little tangent to go on. So if you look at uh, elliptical galaxies, like say Andromeda, or our galaxy is an elliptical galaxy, and you measure the speed at which the stars uh, toward the inside of it on in the inner part of the disk are going around the center and the speed of the stars on the outside of the disk are going around the center. If you do the math based on how much mass you see in that galaxy... It should be flinging off stars. Then these stars on the edges are going so fast they should just be flying away. Just flying off. Which... Which I think... And I know where you're going with this because you're saying that it's the it's uh, dark matter. Yeah, so there's got to be some dark matter that is accounting for this extra gravity that's holding these stars in orbit. Is What were you going to say? No, I, I agree. But I think let's... Because dark matter is such a large topic on its own, 
I'm wondering if we should like refocus a little bit. Oh well, yeah, I will. Your question. Well, I will. But so what I'm saying is because if you didn't have this dark matter, like the black hole wouldn't be enough to hold it still. So it's not the black hole, even though it's a supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxies, it's not holding everything into the galaxy that's orbiting it. It's, it's more, it's there because that's like the center of everything where things that fall would fall toward a center and they accumulate together as the black hole. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of like a toilet bowl. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> exactly um, like a toilet bowl. So what was I saying? Do you have any questions so far? <laughs> questions, concerns? Because when I put mass into a toilet bowl, it does <laughs> tend to fall towards the center, to the, towards that black hole. That I don't means, know where it goes after that. That means you're not we just eating think, enough fiber? See, that's the thing. People are telling us that like it goes somewhere that's like we're just taking their word for it. <laughs> it's probably who are we to question the it's probably like a little black hole plumbers that's just it, <laughs> just taking it and crushing it into oblivion. <laughs> but, uh, sorry, Al, go ahead. So this black hole that they photographed the event horizon of the event horizon is since it's so massive. It's actually pretty big, but, you know, on astronomical terms, it's not really. But it is uh, 23, I think, 23 and a half billion miles across in diameter, which our solar system is about three, out to Pluto. That's what I'm saying is our solar system right now. I mean, there's different things you could say our solar system is, but out to Pluto is about three and a half billion miles. And this is 23 billion. Yeah, so it's about six... 0.57 times the diameter of our solar system. Um, But again, you're putting 600 in, or uh, 6.5 billion suns worth of mass in that. So it is a very compact, dense, localized object. Well, it's a black hole. Yes, the densest. I think it's implied. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just thought like, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because, like, I never even imagined, like, that was going to happen in my lifetime, let alone, like, it just, it seems like it just suddenly came up. They've been working on it for a couple decades, but, like, I haven't heard anything about it until recently in, like, the last couple years. One question. What? As we end this, and we'll try and not answer this to where, like, hopefully this doesn't spark like another half hour or anything, but what is the purpose of it? Of what? The black hole or taking the picture of it? Why? I guess we're just doing it because we can. Well, that... (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, no, because we couldn't until we decided we wanted to. And then... You know, so it wasn't okay, but just why? It but why did we the reason, decide to? So one of the main reasons is because black holes were first theorized to exist to actually be real things in our universe in, uh, I think it was like 1916-ish when uh, Albert Einstein came out with his general theory of relativity that basically describes how gravity works. Um, and then shortly after that, Charles... Is it Charles? Something Schwarzschild. He was the first one to actually like come up with what we call the event horizon and calculate that and say there's a problem. Like theoretically, there's an object where it's so massive and so dense that 
nothing or even light can escape it. That the escape velocity is more than light. So since right. then, it's been, they say, a theory. Even though there's a lot of indirect evidence that we have, that we've collected, we have never actually seen one. But we've the, okay. never been able to say that's a freaking black hole. And that's right great. That doesn't answer my question. Like, wh- how does this help us? It like, doesn't, what? other than it's answering a question that I feel like humans have had. I feel like well, human, but w- no, it totally helps. It like it helps us because we live in a universe that is completely based on laws of physics. So to be able to actually see that this this thing that laws of physics says should really exist and now we know it does that means our laws of physics are at least be correct yeah so but i think what so we can i mean that opens up the entire universe like if we understand how the universe works we can do pretty much anything yeah no and i get that i think i wonder and trav correct me if i'm wrong you're kind of asking it from more of a standpoint of like how's my life changed tomorrow or, or humanity's life changed tomorrow if we take a picture of this, of a, I guess I look at a lot of things. Like I read this, uh, this report that said a hundred thousand dollars of taxpayer money was spent on a report or a, or a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A study study on how many Americans roll their toilet paper from top down or from bottom up. <laughs> was that taxpayer $100,000 for some stupid group of students to figure that out. I feel like, and again, I'm not likening that unto, but my point is, is that a lot of money goes into these studies and statistics yeah. and things like that. So yeah. How does that like benefit humanity in the fact that like, okay, we took a picture of this black hole. Now I guess we know that it exists, but now what can yeah. we do with that? Uh, well, case, I mean, I, I can't say that it will affect you like personally. I would like it to. Even in your lifetime. <laughs> but <laughs> say, say people used to all think the world was flat. How did the discovery of, no, it's not, like we're actually a sphere. How did that change humanity? How did us being able to go out into space change? We have GPS the only reason is because we discovered, oh, the Earth is a circle or a sphere. We have we can put satellites into a orbit. geostationary orbit. So I guess the answer space, space. The answer is just TBD. Yeah, to be <laughs> basically that is it. Like that's yeah. that's most it's probably not a direct with, answer. Yeah. But yes, I just wanna I just wanna make sure that we're going towards something and not just like yeah. hey, that's awesome. Most Americans prefer their toilet paper down instead of <laughs> up. I think I for I, I think yeah. that. I think uh the way to look at scientific discovery at least to me is that you do, you do the discovering, you figure something out, you something you we did not know. And then people's creativity, people in all under other industries uh that information propagates out and then they use that to come up with new ideas, new things, invent new things, engineer uh, things that we never thought about Hmm. before. You know, does that make sense? Yes. Well, good. And to wrap this up, 
um, Alan, I'm only going to come through this. And so tell me if I'm, if I'm missing something um, quickly, but in 60 seconds, I'm going to try and explain the overall, what this whole thing was. So, cause I don't think we touched on that. And so if anyone actually is interested in the event horizon telescope and, or the event horizon, um, a picture of a black hole that they're trying to take the reason that they are hypothetically, or they think that they can do this is because around a black hole, there is this point at which it's like nothing can, like if you cross the event horizon, then nothing can escape it. Right. So like once you cross that line, it's, that's it too bad. You're going to be sucked in. But before that, you could have a chance of getting out. So actually, light itself splits off. So like photons, part of it will go into the black hole, part of it will go out. Like Fire right, photons. Yeah, like pew, right pew. on the very, very edge <laughs> of it, uh-huh. which is called Hawking radiation. That's something that Stephen Hawking came up with. So that is what is actually emanating um, trace amounts of energy or light, right? So that's what they're trying to capture a picture of because if they can capture that, that's going to be like the edge of the black hole and that's how they can say, oh, look, that's a black hole because we caught this Hawking radiation or uh, around it, the event horizon. But the way that they did it, which is kind of cool, is they have they can't just take one camera and, and zoom in and take a picture of it. We, there's just no camera that's big enough, uh, has a big enough lens to do that. So what they're doing is they're taking... Or different cam- camera telescope. Yeah, different telescopes telescope, yeah. all around the world and using those as one big unit and basically creating a hypothetical a virtual. lens, a virtual lens that's like the size of the Earth. Yeah. So it's like basically they've created a telescope that would be equivalent to the power of a telescope that was like had a f- lens the size of the Earth. Natural, and that's how yeah. they're that's how they're taking a picture. Of. Only only this isn't in the optical. It's in radio. It's a radio telescope. Uh, I think the the light they captured was one point three millimeters in wavelength, uh, which compared to visible light is mad is huge. Visible that's, light's like on yeah. the on the nano scale, which is I think billionths of a meter. So. so and Alan, is it Monday or next this week? Right, that they're supposed to release the first picture so no i mean we're releasing this later but later but so it was it's may or april 10th which was a couple what oh, was I apologize. It? yeah we're recording this earlier yeah <laughs> like, april 10th which what's today the so it was three days ago that they actually came out with the pref, in the press conferences and revealed this first ever picture uh of the black hole Event horizon. Oh, so they've already released it? Yeah, like I'm looking at it right here. Like, uh, let me turn this around. This is the one that I sent. No. <laughs> hey, you guys can see it, right? So it is basically, so it is the one. It's the just they, somebody added the freaking hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that one you sent was. It was hilarious. It was a joke. It was a joke. Oh, it was a joke? Yeah. Okay. So. I think, Alan, if you would, um, will you go ahead and at some point post this on our Instagram account or social media account so that if anyone is interested, you can go there and you can see a picture of it and maybe he can even put a link to a website or something that will talk about it. But that way, if you are somebody who is interested in this kind of thing, you can I'll just put a link. I'll put a link directly to uh, eventhorizontelescope.org, which is they have like all the information on there. Okay. Um, and yes, uh, but so real quick, just a quick correction. So this isn't actually the Hawking radiation that we're seeing. Uh, this is what we're seeing is, so there is mass matter, gas cloud 
that's falling into the black hole. And so as it falls into the black hole, it creates an accretion disk around it. And uh, the closer to the event horizon you get, the faster all that gas is going. We're talking relativistic speeds. We're talking close to the speed of light. That, that, that matter is moving. So right next to the event horizon, those particles are smack that plasma is smashing into each other at the speed of oh close to the speed of light so it's and like supercharged it's i think i heard like the temperature would be is like six billion degrees kelvin which is freaking hot um i knew a kid named kelvin <laughs> so <laughs> so was he six billion degrees so just like fire just like fire imagine like hot things put out electromagnetic radiation it's called black body radiation but so it's so hot, it's putting out all of this light. That's that's what we're seeing. And then we're seeing this photon ring of light that is actually in orbit. This light is orbiting the black hole for a while before it, some photons escape and shoot towards us, which then they capture in this Earth-sized virtual um, radio telescope. And then I just want to tell you how much data they collected over the course of this, it's five petabytes of data, which one petabyte is a million gigabytes. And they said that the the weight of all their hard, hard drives storing this data was about half a ton. That's how much data they collected to so be able to get this, a this thousand, picture. A thousand pounds. About, yeah, I guess. Cool. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Um, I don't think we have any special announcements per se right now. Uh, we'll just we can just go into next week. You can look forward to questions uh, such as if you were to explore infinite, or if you had could explore infinite possibilities at every decision point in life, would you? So think about that. It seems like a really cool power, but as Trav was uh, hypothesizing earlier. I don't know. Maybe you would or wouldn't do it, huh, Trav? <laughs> that was exactly my hypothesis, Danny. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to give it away until next week. Uh, Trav, kind of, uh, he has a story he will tell us next week, which kind of led into his questions. But we all know fear can manifest itself in strange and unusual ways at times. So, what are you afraid of? is going to be his question. I think we're going to go into not just your traditional scares like spiders and the dark and that kind of ghosts, right? We're yeah. going to we're going to explore fear on a different level. And then finally, uh Alan wants to explore a little bit of like when exactly are we going to get the first person to step foot on Mars? And once we do that, how long until we're actually going to start colonizing Mars? Is that Correct, Alan? Is that your question? Okay. Yeah. You guys uh, see a theme going with my <laughs> questions? <laughs> so, yep. So look forward to those questions. Um, we'll be back, well, on episode four. I was going to say next week, but I think we're releasing a lot of these at the same, <laughs> the same time. time so. so, yeah. So you could listen to this, like, literally right after I'm done talking right now. Um, Trav, why don't you take us out? So, yes, thank you for listening to Q Code Podcast, where your curiosity quest begins. <laughs> <laughs> literally, your curiosity quest starts here. Yeah, but I, the way I was saying it, I couldn't say it that uh, way. Uh, make sure to, <laughs> you can find us on, uh, or our podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube. 
uh, go ahead and visit our website at QCodePodcast.com. Email us at QCodeP, that's the letter P, at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at QCodePodcast. And uh, also don't forget to leave us five stars. If you want to leave us four stars, we will accept that. But uh, five's better. Anything less than that, just forget it. But if you give people high fives, but you never say, yo, give me a high four. So thanks again for listening, guys. We will see you next time.